are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins, and Levi Fitzwater's in the house today as well at ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Trevor Culligan on the phones. Call in. We got a full studio today. 334-321-1390. We're here with you from 2 to 4 p.m. Your afternoon here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hope everyone is doing well out there. Jacob, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thursday, we're getting so much closer to the weekend and can't get here fast enough. Levi Fitzwater with us as well for his weekly Playing the Line segment. Going to be with us for the first couple of segments of today's show. Levi, you had a bad time a couple of weeks ago, bud. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Um, I'd like to just say that there was there was some good in that bad. You know, I did say the Bills outright were a better team than the Patriots. They smoked them. There was total a, annihilation. There was a weird call in that Bengals Raiders game that I will say. You know what? Cost cost me that bet. So I'm going to say I won by a lot. They stole that game from me. <laughs> Big media stole the game from me on that one. So I'll take the Raiders in the Bengals game because they you know they took that call away. And also, I'd like to say I kind of won that Auburn when I say you know. Plus 1,200, I feel like it's a little inflated. You might want to grab it while you can. It's down to plus 850, if I'm not mistaken, and they are the second favorites to win the title right now. Who's at the top? I believe it was Gonzaga. I just had it pulled up a second ago. The disrespect, man. What has Gonzaga ever done to warrant being the favorites? They beat up on crappy teams. Gonzaga is at plus 450 right now, and Auburn is at plus 850. Duke not not far behind at 900. Which is pretty good because I talked to you the other day, Noah, and I have Auburn at plus 5,000. That's when I saw it at its highest, and now it's all the way down to 850. Talk to me. Yeah, that's what I was saying last week or two weeks ago. I was like, you know, 1,200 just – for a team this talented, that feels like a little bit of a stretch. Like you, you can look at teams and say, you know what, this team has a legitimate shot to win. I felt like they're more of a six, eight plus six plus eight hundred line. So if you grabbed it at twelve hundred, you got it. At, or if you grabbed it at five thousand, <laughs> fifty is, to one odds. That, you is, know. that is a good, good. That's good. That's good value. This team is too good to not at least have a shot to do that at the end of the year. Well, they're catching a lot of attention, namely the head coach, and that's the storyline that we're going to start with today. You got to talk about it, right? Justin Hogerson, Avon 3, earlier today tweeted out about Louisville's interest in reaching out to Bruce Pearl. Whether or not Bruce Pearl's actually interested or not, whether or not this is leverage, that is our discussion now. Bruce Pearl linked to the Louisville job. What do you make of this situation? I don't want anybody getting angry with us. We're literally just speculating about this situation I think there is legitimate interest from Louisville, whereas I truly believe Bruce Pearl is going to be with Auburn long-term. Bruce Pearl is going to utilize this, as any smart coach would, as leverage to get what he wants inside the athletic department. That's that's how I view this. It's one of those leverage plays. Like when you see – you know I'm an NFL guy. I kind of look through a lot of things that scope where you see Adam Schefter tweet something out about interest with this guy, and you're like – Oh, that's somebody's agent is putting in the work. And I feel like that's kind of a thing here with 
Bruce Pearl's interest in Louisville. I think there's legitimate interest from Louisville. I mean, why wouldn't there be? There may be legitimate interest from Bruce Pearl. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I don't. And I, honestly, if Auburn doesn't pony up, why wouldn't you have it, legitimate interest? Exactly. And I, I think I'm looking at this through probably a you know a bit more bias where I'm thinking that he so there's a guy wearing an Auburn shirt. Yeah, where he's like, I'm sitting here thinking he doesn't have that much interest, but he probably has, you know, some sort of interest in terms of looking at what they could provide for him with the facilities and whatnot. And I think this is a good opportunity for Bruce Pearl to say, Hey, these are this is what I want. Put some demands on the table. You have He's got he's got the cards in this situation. He he's holding all the cards. He's sitting in a really good spot, and I think, in my opinion, it's time for Auburn to pony up and listen to him. And I think they probably will because if they don't, you're going to lose one of the best coaches in college basketball right now. Look at what he's best done. coach for you at least. Yeah, exactly. And look at what he's done just in his few years that he's been at Auburn. He's made Auburn the number one team in the country, bringing in top guys out of high school Jabari Smith and then guys from the from the portal like Walker Kessler Bruce Pearl what he brings to a program is unmatched of anything you can find in the country so why wouldn't like you said why wouldn't Louisville want to reach out and when you look at the payment that Bruce Pearl and the coaches on that staff are making they're one of the lowest in the country so Auburn's gonna have to do something and if they don't they're gonna lose him and there's no doubt that Louisville reached out but whether there's interest from Bruce Pearl or not again none of us know but I guarantee it's on Auburn's radar, and it should be. I think he wants to stay at Auburn. Once again, this is me speculating. I don't have any inside track on this. This is, once again, just me, someone with no information on this, just speculating. I think he wants to stay at Auburn. And my reasoning for that, you look at his involvement in the community, you look at what he's built here with, I don't want to say subpar facilities. I love Auburn Arena. It's not subpar. It works, and he's recruiting well with it. But Auburn does not hold a flame to Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke on the recruiting trail for the amenities that they can offer their recruits. They take basketball recruiting to the level that football recruiting is in the Southeastern Conference. If Auburn can get Bruce Pearl those types of resources and you're looking at how he's recruiting right now, Auburn recruiting goes to a whole nother level. I agree with that 100%. I mean, it goes... I mean, they're already in for the number one player in 2023. Not saying that they'll get him, but they're in. The fact that Auburn's in those conversations. Yeah, that's a big – I mean, if you would have told me that five, ten years ago, like, you're, you would not believe that. I mean, that's just – it seems outlandish. That it I had a hard time seen. believing Auburn could have a top 25 class ten years ago. Oh, yeah. I, I remember when I was a senior in high school, I went and watched Auburn play Florida at home and just – they didn't even belong in the same gym as that Florida team. And that was 2012, 2013. Didn't even belong in the same gym. And now you're thinking that... Uh, Chris Denson, KT Harrell. Yeah. that I mean, it just... It was... It, it, it's weird to look back and reflect on those type of teams and see where you are now. You have a chance to really take this program even further. It feels like that's kind of been a theme for the past few years. It's like every... Just every step, there's something new. It's so like Saturday... When you beat Kentucky, you know that you know the way the poll set up. You're going to end up being the number one team in the nation, and it just keeps climbing and climbing. And there's just there's always a new thing. This could be that next step into making Auburn a legitimate. They are a legitimate threat in the national landscape, but they could stay and continue to be that national threat if you get some of these amenities that, like you said, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, those schools. That's how those schools on a repeated basis get guys inside the top 20 year in and year out and buy guys. I don't say guy. Jamari Smith is awesome, 
but they get guys. They get three in a recruiting class, right? And that's because they're basketball schools, and that's where all of their money from their athletics programs, that's where it goes. All the donos and all the donors, they put their money into the basketball program, and that's what's so crazy about what Bruce Pearl has done at Auburn in his five or so years is he's done this at a football school. Auburn is a football school. They are. That's where the money goes. That's where the money's made. But now that basketball is on a national stage and making all of this noise and getting all of this attention, they're going to have to put some money into this basketball program and get Bruce Pearl what he wants because what he's asking, he deserves. And he's no way wrong whatsoever for asking for these different things, more payment for himself and his assistant coaches and for all the amenities and all of the practice facilities and everything that he's asking for. And that was on a board meeting today. That was on the agenda that they were going to get a new practice facility. And there's no... There's no way anybody can hate on him for asking for those things because he deserves it from what he's done so far. And the fact that at, that that ended up on an agenda today for a board meeting, the fact that that was talked about today, that tells me that Auburn's got stuff in the works, that That's Auburn is going huge. to pony up. Huge. They're at least taking it seriously. They should yeah. be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they should. But it, it shows you that they're taking it seriously and seriously enough to have that as a discussion point. It at least shows me that they're considering it, and I'm hoping that they're actually going to do something about that. And it's the same argument that we've been discussing the last few days about whether Brian Harson wants to be at Auburn. Bruce Pearl wants to be at Auburn. That's right. And my argument is he would not be doing the things that he does for Auburn, for Auburn students, the jungle, and for the program and the university if he didn't want to be at Auburn. You don't do those types of things if you're not committed to where you're at. If you, if you don't want to be there, you just do your job and go home. But he doesn't. He's active with the students and the fans and doing different events and getting his team out into the community. You don't do those types of things at a place you don't want to be. And you also can think about it from like in another sense of how he wants to be there. It's a legacy standpoint. You know, he could be the guy. He could be the He's the Auburn. greatest Auburn basketball yeah, coach ever. Could, and he could cement that and become that for, yeah. you know, years, decades to come. You're always going to be in conversation with other coaches at Louisville. They're all. I mean, I know there's you know the stuff in the past, but you're going to be thinking about him with a Rick Pitino or something like that at Auburn. He could be the singular guy that you talk about for decades. There's a statue. Yeah, there will be a statue. Will be, and that those kind of things can happen at Auburn. You don't know if it happens at Louisville because they they have a. There's a cloud hanging over them right now from the NCAA as well. And whether or not you're of the opinion that the NCAA is in the business of absolutely smiting teams right now, they did just give a one-year postseason ban to Oklahoma State. And as far as we know, Auburn's in the clear. And so there's no doubt that Bruce Pearl has had his issues in the past. But as we know of right now, Auburn with the NCAA is 100% clear, and it's just soaring up from here. And Louisville's... Got some issues. Allegations are pretty severe compared to the other teams that were caught up in this madness. Yes. And so that's, I mean, if you're Bruce Pearl or anybody else, why would you leave a program that you have built from the ground up and go to a program that could be in some huge trouble in the next few years with the NCAA? Bruce has built something unbelievable at Auburn, and I just don't see him leaving. I think it's even gone beyond potentially what they even ever imagined it could become when he first got here or what any of us ever thought it could become a hundred percent I also I don't understand why I mean I I get it you know Bruce Pearl great coach but I don't understand why Louisville doesn't look for like a mid-major coach like there's a guy at Iona who's up there like winning some games (laughs) they could go get him I think that'd be a really good job what's his name uh something Patino or something like that yeah he's probably not any good he's got a weird tattoo on his back that's the only like (laughs) knock I have on him Rick Patino yep that's right 
I'm with you. Louisville fans will gripe, though, if they go after a mid-major. That's a school that feels like they are on a tier that can captivate the interest of any head coach out there. And in reality, I think they can captivate some high-value coaches out there. None at Titan universities, of course. If the North Carolina job opens, you got to look around college basketball and think, Jay Wright could be a candidate at Villanova. There's how many, like almost every school, their coaches, like any coach that's at a school that's not Kansas or Duke at that point, for the most part, or even Kentucky, you're thinking he might actually leave for that job. Because that's, I mean, that's one of those, that's a miracle job. And Louisville's not in that tier, but it can captivate the interest of some Power 5 coaches, I think, that are punching above their weight class. Yeah, they, they can get some Power 5 coaches as well as some, you know, higher tier mid-major programs and even like some of the guys that like big east coaches that you don't really think about as much now that it's kind of in a weird state from what it used to be since it doesn't have that football that ties it all together but yeah you i I put louisville in that kind of tier two ish where they're they're very good it's very respectable and like you said it'll captivate somebody but not just not a blue blood yeah they're just not that blue blood status and i mean that's fair that's a very hard thing to come by but Louisville believes that they can become that and be that, and they feel like that they have the history to back that up, that they can think we should be able to get any coach in the country, and they also believe they should be able to get any player in the country. And there's no doubt that Louisville's got the history and the, the pride in their program because they've done, some, they've done some work. I mean, they really have. So they're, Louisville's not in the wrong either for trying to go after a guy like Bruce Pearl or another top coach because they feel like they, should, they deserve it. People are going to hate me for saying this, but it's the truth. Let's just be real. Look at the history of it. Comparing this into football terminology, Louisville is to Michigan in the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry and Auburn in the Auburn-Alabama rivalry. Not saying that it's necessarily second fiddle or that you're intimidated or that you are little brother or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But from a historical standpoint, Louisville and Kentucky in that rivalry, Louisville is in this tier below history's dominant programs that have racked up national championship after national championship they're just not there and when you have the blue blood conversation louisville does not come up they don't they're they don't come up because they're a they're, top program historically but they're yes. not a blue blood right Correct. in college football auburn is a top 15 top 12 program i'll say top 12 program in college football history but they are not a part of the elite class all time in college football history and nobody will argue with me on that no i 100 percent agree you're exactly right and I, that's louisville and Louisville yeah. is Auburn football, essentially, but with a little bit better of national championship pedigree, I would say, in the basketball ranks. I don't hate that comparison. I, I, I don't necessarily like it, but I don't hate it because you're right. So, I mean, you don't. Truth like, hurts. You don't. Yeah, you don't like it because that's your team, and I mean, that's that's it's like no, just said. Truth hurts. You you wish it was better, but that is a very fair and accurate comparison. And I'm an Auburn guy. I am, and Auburn fans should not be intimidated, and Auburn fans. Auburn plays second fiddle to nobody. I'm just saying from a national championship pedigree, Louisville is in that same kind of rank. It's it's not the elite tier, but it's definitely had its seasons here and there where they are definitely one of the great programs in college basketball, as well as Auburn is in college football, right? They're one of the great programs in college football, and there are a few that are a better job than Auburn, but there is an elite class that is above it in terms of winning. And we've seen over the last few years, Louisville football have success as well. I mean, they had a Heisman Trophy winner. Lamar Jackson took them to 
the heights that Louisville did not ever expect to get in football but that's because they are a basketball school and that's that conversation too gets really interesting what a school is considered football basketball some or baseball that's an interesting conversation too with that being said though talking about Auburn and why I don't think Bruce Pearl is going to Louisville if he gets what he wants from the athletic department can this program get to that elite level currently not historically Duke hasn't always been a blue blood either and I'm not saying that Auburn can become a blue blood but Duke before the 90s it's forgettable they didn't do anything before Coach K they became they're they're kind of new money in college basketball they are they're not a part of the old elite class royalty in college basketball they have they're associated with that with our generation because that's all we've known there's people that are 30 40 years old now that have only known Duke basketball to be amazing but you go for the first 70 years of the sport prior to that Duke is nonsense right and so Duke is a blue blood for their national championship pedigree and what they've done in these last 30 years but what's the odds that Auburn could do that with Bruce Pearl right now if he does get what he wants I mean I think they're relatively high I mean you see what he's doing right now without you know without the amenities it's going to be tough because he's going to have the handcuff of football is always going to come first at Auburn that's just plain and simple unless something happens I just there's no way I don't see a team with Auburn's football history and the way that the Southeast just views football, there's it's going to be hard because he is going – you said Auburn doesn't play second fiddle to anybody. Basketball will have to play second fiddle to football unless something changes. Could he change that? I don't know. But he does have a really good rapport with recruiting out of Atlanta, and you, you make that a little bit more national with some other amenities, and that's really good. And I think he could change this for the better. I think he has changed it. Auburn fans were still bought in last year when Auburn was not very good at basketball. And Auburn fans still enjoyed basketball more last year. And you know why? Because Auburn fans have faith in basketball. They have reason to believe in basketball. They knew last year was down here, but it's going to be okay. They, They trust their coach. Auburn fans have been burned so many times by football. I legit think the apathy has eroded people's love for football here that if you ask somebody, take it or leave it, Auburn could win national championships and be a Duke or a Kansas or a North Carolina, be on the national stage for forever from here out for the rest of your lifetime in basketball, or they could be like that in football. Which would you choose? Auburn fans, I think, would choose basketball right now, and I'm going to choose basketball too because, I mean, we've never seen this. Longer season. It's more fun. Never seen this in our lifetime. Bruce Pearl will take this program to unbelievable heights as he already has and it's the potential that's what gets Auburn fans so excited and bought in and we're seeing it right now and I think there's even more to be made from Bruce Pearl let's take a quick break when we come back it's time for playing the lines with Levi Fitzwater back on on the line Noah Gardner Jacob Goins Levi Fitzwater with you in the studio packed house you want to call in 334-321-1390 it's time for Playing the Lines with Levi Fitzwater, his weekly segment on the show. Talking about things going on in sports, of course, just for fun here. Talking about spreads and whatnot, making picks against the spread. Anything else going on as well? Levi, I'm going to give you the floor, man. Where are we at? Where are we starting? Is this college basketball, NFL? What are we doing? So entertainment purposes only. Just remember that. Um, so I guess it depends on where we want to start. I've got picks for the NFL. I've got a couple things for college basketball. College basketball is weird on a Thursday because college basketball does not release lines until like the night before. So can't really preview some of the big games that happen this weekend. 
which is a little unfortunate. But I got a couple for tonight. You got I got NBA and also I've got NHL. I've got hockey picks. Oh, I'm here for it. I'll tell you this: tonight's college basketball is mm. a challenge for several ranked Big Ten teams. The ranked Big Ten teams are all on the road tonight. Purdue's on the road against Iowa. Ohio State's on the road against Minnesota, and Wisconsin will slaughter Nebraska at their place. But there are three ranked Big Ten teams on the road. I'm curious, the line that you like the best in college basketball tonight, is someone going to fall to an unranked team? So I don't I don't love the like all the lines for those Big Ten games that you mentioned. I looked over those last night, and they're all so they're iffy. A lot of people They're are, fair. It seems like pushes. Yeah, like they're very – like Nebraska is a seven-and-a-half point favorite, if I'm not mistaken. Minnesota, yeah, they're a six-and-a-half point favorite. Um and it's it feels very fair because you know you have these teams that are lesser competition but not slouches at home against what you would consider a better team and from what i've seen even the public is kind of split like nobody's on nebraska a lot of people are with you they think wisconsin's going to they're cover. terrible yeah they think wisconsin's going to cover that seven and a half points spread but on the flip side you have ohio state traveling to minneapolis which is where i will be tomorrow at this time you have them traveling there, and everybody's on the Golden Gophers. They think they cover that six-and-a-half spread. They could win it. I I, I kind of like them to win it outright. I did, but then when I, you know how I feel about public. When I see the public start backing somebody, it starts to starts to make me pull it's away. fool's gold. Yeah, it makes me start to pull away a little bit because Vegas is king. They know more than everybody else does at almost every time. So I look at that, and I'm just thinking, mm. So I would lean a little bit more just naturally towards Minnesota, but then I have to try to take my heart out of it and go my brain and say, I do think Ohio State could cover that. Roll the boat. And what's crazy, man, when you look at these kinds of odds on the spreads and the over-unders and everything, it's crazy how good Vegas is at what they do. It's stupid how good they are. And like you're talking about how some of these lines, you're like, yeah, it could go either way. It's because Vegas knows what they're doing, man. They know how to make some money. Yeah, if I had if I had to make a pick on all of those just based off of what do you think at about it, Purdue Iowa tonight? Purdue, I, that's the toughest one. They lost to Indiana last week in the midweek. Iowa can shoot the three ball. It's the great equalizer. The teams that are giant slayers, they can shoot the three, and Iowa does it better than pretty much anybody in the Big Ten. Whereas Purdue is still a great basketball team, but they have had the propensity to not show up for some games like this, and they're on the road again tonight and a tough place to play. And they're not great on the road. If you look at their record, they split on the road. They're 2-2. Two and two. Against the spread, they're actually 1-3 and three on the road. And in their last 10, they're 4-6 and six against the spread, Purdue is. And you look at Iowa, they're 8-4 and four against the spread at home, which is really good, and they're also 11-1 and one outright at home. So you have a team that plays really well at home, a team that plays really poorly on the road, and like you said, they have the propensity to not show up to some of these lesser, quote-unquote, midweek games that you just kind of go, eh. You saw it last week at Indiana. If I'm Again, if I'm having to make a pick on this, I don't like it. This is a very split decision for me. I'm taking Iowa. I don't know if they win. But With I'd, the points? I'll take the two-and-a-half for sure. I think the oh. two and a half, I'll take the two-and-a-half oh. for sure. Oh. Wow. I, <laughs> hey, here's yeah. my thing, man. Here's my thing. Purdue is the number six team in the country, and that's for a reason. They're a good basketball team. I was good, but Purdue is really good. And I think it's a bounce-back win. Give me Purdue minus two and a half on the road. They could win by three points. I think they bounce back. It's going to be a close game back and forth, but give me Purdue with some free throws down the stretch. I like Purdue favorite minus two and a half. I was about to tell this, man. I mean, you're from Ohio. You know when you venture into the cornfields, you may not come out, man. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's – um. Have you lot, ever been to Iowa? Fields. I've never been to Iowa. I've been in okay. Indiana where Purdue and all that, but I've never been to Iowa. But Indiana, a lot of fields up there, man.
yeah, I didn't really like any of these games to like put a stamp on it. But if it, my the one I like the most would be the Iowa game, just based off of stats. I have a couple of ones. If anybody wants to pay attention to these games, Weber State at Northern Colorado, the, the Lumberjacks. The over under is set at one hundred and fifty eight. Weber Man. State has scored like eighty something points in their yeah eighty plus points in their uh, four of their last six games, and also just you have they're they're just both offensive teams. Everything has everything should be a shootout. I if I'm putting a word to this, I'm gonna say this game is first to ninety wins, and that looks good at a 158 point over. I'll take that over 158 every single day. Weber State in Northern Colorado. Football, you watch a lot of Hawaii. Do you do that with basketball too? Yeah, I. I you watch that WCC stuff. Yeah, that's what. Happens. That's why you're talking about Weber. Well, that's what happens when you. And they're not WCC. I can't remember what they are. When but. you look at lines like this, and a lot of the times I steer away from the big, the marquee matchup games because that's where all the eyes are. Vegas has those games pinpointed to a T. A lot of the times. You have to try to see where you can find value when you're just looking at this. Again, entertainment purposes only. I just do this for fun. I just love numbers and lines. You just have to watch some of these lesser tier games. Houston Baptist last year, they went on a tear where their over was hitting almost every game. The they're, Huskies. They, yeah, their offense. They were, they got to a point where they were setting over-unders in college basketball, like 180 and 200 points because that team was so abysmal on defense. But with score, their games were somewhere in like 160 to 150. It was 160 to 130 sometimes were final scores. Like it was absolutely nuts for a college basketball game to be like that. So you got to find those somewhere. Another one, I tried to – We got to get to NFL, my man. We yeah. do need to get to the NFL. We got the NFL. I'll tell you this. Tennessee Tech plus 12.5 against Murray State. I know a lot of people are going to be upset about that. <laughs> I'm going against our best friends. I'm sorry. We love Murray State. I love Murray State, but I'm not going to do it. NFL, it's an easy one. Kansas City minus seven. I think the Bengals, the moment gets a little too big for them here. Kansas City's been there before. I think that – I think Patrick Mahomes, I think the Chiefs are just an outright better overall team than the Bengals. I think the line woes finally show up. I mean, they showed up last Regular week. Regular season matchup doesn't yeah, I concern think, you whatsoever? No, that game was in Cincinnati, and Cincinnati had everything to play for at that moment. Kansas City still had things to play for, but not as much as Cincinnati did in that moment. I think, again – the line woe showed up last week. It's hard to win a game when you give up nine sacks. I think the Chiefs will be able to get to Joe Burrow. He'll have his. Don't like Joe Burrow's going to have his. And Jamar Chase. And- yeah, and Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, all that plethora of weapons. I think Kansas City just wins this game seven points, a touchdown. I think they might win by two, probably around like 14 to 17 points if I'm going to take a guess on this. I think it just – it finally – the moment finally catches him. What about the other one? We got time for one more. Uh, I don't like this one, but I'll lean San Francisco plus three and a half, but I think the Rams outright win it. These two teams are really familiar to each other, so I think this game becomes really close. And I think, I mean, you saw it at the end of the year. Game went to overtime. These two teams also both have, I'll still a, word, a favorite word of yours, they have the propensity to just fall apart down the stretch at times. You saw it with San Francisco and Dallas. You saw it last week with the Rams at Tampa Bay. You saw it the last time these two teams met. The Rams were up 17 to nothing on them. Next thing you know, we're in overtime, and the San Francisco 49ers are scored. I Paper think, mache fortitude. Yeah. Uh, this, this game, I think, is going to be really close, but I do think the Rams pull it outright, and I think it comes down to a quarterback I trust not much more, but a smidge more than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the Kansas, I, the Kansas City, I think San Francisco is just a better team outright, but I'll take the Rams. I think I th- I'll take the 49ers plus two and a half. I'll take the Rams win outright. Levi, I appreciate it, my man. Anytime, anytime.
That was Levi Fitzwater playing the lines with Levi Fitzwater. What we'll Jordan Hill, the Oblique Auburn News, when we come back. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you there to Levi Fitzwater for his weekly segment of Playing the Lines. 30 minutes into the show. If you missed any of it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Now joining us, Jordan Hill of the Opelika Auburn News. Jordan, how's it going today, my man? Hey, man, it's going great. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, plenty to talk about. Another busy week of Auburn sports. That's right, and we appreciate you hopping on with us. We'll start on the football side of things, and then we'll head over to basketball. Of course, the news of the week seems to be on the defensive side of the football. And one of my favorite questions to ask people about all of the coaching staff turnover is when you put your finger on the pulse of this program, what is the vibe that you get about the turnover is it good bad doesn't really matter how are the players reacting to it what's your overall take yeah you know I think we're going to learn in the long run I think it's certainly some of the changes it at least gives you pause it sort of makes you wonder what is happening I mean when you have a situation like with Derek Mason leaving after one year to take a job at Oklahoma State that you know is certainly not a step up uh, you know you could argue if it's even a lateral move uh, so it's definitely something to wonder, but there are parts of sort of the way they're building the staff that I can see the appeal to. I can see with Jeff Schmetting, his connection with Brian Harson, his experience coaching with Brian Harson. You know, I can sort of understand that Brian wants his guy running the defense and, and feels comfortable in that way. And I really do like two of the position coach changes or the hires they made. Jimmy Brumbaugh, a guy that played at Auburn, a guy that's got experience coaching at places like Tennessee and LSU, and Christian Robinson. Christian's a guy that I actually got to watch when I was in college at Georgia. was a really good linebacker, and immediately when he got done playing, decided he wanted to get into coaching. Uh, really stuck with Todd Grantham for a while, uh, who was a defensive coordinator at Georgia when he was playing. Coached with him at Mississippi State, coached with him at Florida. And Florida's had some really good linebackers. Any of the local people listening know, know Mahmoud Diabate, uh, who was there at Florida. I think, you know, from what I've seen, like, on social media since Auburn announced the hire, Mahmoud was really applauding Christian and sort of what kind of leadership he brings. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely reason for concern when you have a guy that is as well thought of as Derek Mason to leave. Um, but you can, I can see the upside on some of these hires. It's really going to be sort of a time will tell. Uh, if they work out and if the defense is able to be what people think it's capable of going into 2022. Hey, Jordan, Jacob Goins here. I wanted to ask you, what can Auburn fans expect to see differently on the defensive side of the football now with the new defensive coordinator in Schmetting and the different defensive coaches that are now in their new positions? What can Auburn fans expect to see differently from the defensive schemes and plays that Auburn's going to run this fall? You know, I think it's too soon to tell, really, and I think when we'll really get to see that is going to be uh, in spring camp. I mean, when we see spring practice really get rolling. You know, the, the good thing is that there are pieces from last year's team, important pieces, that are coming back. I mean, the defensive line, even though there's been some significant losses, a lot of those guys were, you know, farther on the depth chart, but you've got important guys like Marcus Harris and Colby Wood and some of those guys coming back. 
Um, you know, linebacker will be a big question. And, and as, you know, I think the biggest concern really on defense is figuring out who's going to be that lockdown corner with Roger McCreary moving on. So, you know, I don't, I can't really say I've got a good feel for how differently the defense will look. You know, I'm sure that there are things, and even when Derek Mason was on staff last year, I'm sure that he, Jeff Schmetting, and Burt Watts, too, all three of those guys had been defensive coordinators before. And that's something Derek really talked about when he first came on last year was that, you know, basically it's like being in a lab, those three guys kind of sitting down and kind of ironing out, you know, what works best, what do we want to do with this personnel. You know, I think when we get into spring practice, I don't think you're going to look out there and go, whoa, this looks like a completely different scheme or a completely different system. It might, but I think with the staff and the fact that some of those important guys like Schmetting and like Burt Watts, uh, they were on this staff last year. You know, I would think that the change won't be something that you, you look at and say, whoa, this looks totally different than it did in 2021. Of course, on the offensive side of the football, we haven't seen a whole lot of, I don't want to say turnover, but we haven't seen a ton of new additions through the transfer portal. We've seen some veterans decide to come back. What's your feeling right now about how this coaching staff, I've always been curious, what does the coaching staff, in your mind, and I know this is going to be pure speculation, but how do you think the coaching staff views the offensive roster going into the spring? You know, I mean, I, I kind of wonder if there is a push to add more before spring, and, and it's just a matter of if they can find the right guys. To me, the real concerns, looking at it from my point of view, are going to be the receivers and the offensive line. Now, they did get a significant boost with some veteran guys. Nick Brahms, Austin Troxel, Brandon Council deciding to come back. That's big on the offensive line receiver is just a total crapshoot and I've honestly been sort of surprised they haven't been able to bring in they've offered guys who ultimately decided to go elsewhere um, but right now you're really looking at needing you know some of your freshman receivers like Jay Fair uh, some of the other guys that have signed Amari Kelly you need true freshmen to step up at receiver a group that struggled last year with, a, with some guys that were relatively inexperienced uh, but you know, you're really looking at needing some of those younger guys to step up, guys like Shedrick Jackson, who I think if Shedrick doesn't come back, it's a really, really bad situation. But he announced he's coming back. He's going to use his extra year. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at the offense, to me, as someone looking at this entire team, the offense is the biggest question. And who you're going to throw the ball to, who's going to block up front, um, they've still, you know, there's still a window for them to add guys, and that may be a situation, especially coming out of spring ball, you know, that they, they really can put their finger on, okay, this is a true concern. We've got to add to it. Um, because, yeah, the way I look at it, I mean, there's just a lot of questions with this offense. And you look at where the SEC is right now and the teams Auburn's got to compete with. You know, I don't think right now as it stands they have the firepower that they would need to truly contend the way Auburn expects to year in and year out. But it's it's a long spring. I mean, we could be looking at by the time, you know, the, the April, May, June gets here, that they have gone back into the portal and added some guys. Uh, so, yeah, that's sort of my feel of it, that uh, there's some real questions on this offense. Now, they still have plenty of time to, to answer some of those, but uh, they definitely remain as we talk today. Speaking with Jordan Hill of the Opelika Auburn News, I know you're also still really involved in the prep scene and covering things in the prep scene. And this is a recruit that we talked about last time we had you on, Caden Story. And since then, he has reopened up his recruitment. What do you know about this situation moving forward as Auburn loses one of its four stars on its list? 
Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. You know, we still don't know for sure, but just the way this seems to be trending, I think he's going to wind up going to Clemson. And one of the guys that, you know, we talked about some of the staff changes, Nick Eason, who used to be the defensive line coach uh, at Auburn, is now at Clemson where Nick played in college. And Nick Eason has been very hard after Caden. And, you know, I go back to when Caden committed, you know, and even going back to last spring, uh, last spring he uh, really talked highly about Nick Eason. He really liked Nick. And, you know, you look at a guy like Nick Eason and, and his NFL experience, you know, um, you know, guys like Caden want to want to have careers in football. And, you know, I can obviously see – where you see a guy who's been there, done that, you know, played in the NFL, won a Super Bowl, uh, the appeal to that. So, you know, I still don't think we know for sure. Auburn, I think, is still trying to be in the mix. Florida with Billy Napier has really tried to go after Caden. Um, but I know that Caden went to Clemson uh, not long ago. Nick's been uh, in for in-home visits with him. My bet is going to be on Clemson, but we'll see on National Signing Day what Caden decides to do. Jordan, transitioning into the basketball scene for Auburn, of course the team, number one team in the country, coming off a win against Missouri with Oklahoma coming in on Saturday afternoon. The news has been today of the rumblings of Louisville reaching out to Bruce Pearl and whether there is mutual interest or not and whether Bruce Pearl is trying to get more out of Auburn. What is your take on whether you think Bruce is staying at Auburn or not and the things that he's asking Auburn to give him? Yeah, you know, I think it's a situation, I've seen a few people point this out on Twitter, that when you look at it from Bruce's perspective, he's really in the perfect spot because you can either, you know, translate this success that Auburn has had this year into more money and more backing, you know, better facilities at Auburn, or if you so choose, you know, to, to get paid and go to Louisville. And uh, credit to Justin Lee, my boss at the OA News, he did a story today um, had a chance to talk to some of the people within the athletic department at Auburn, and they've really made it clear that you know they're going to take care of Bruce Pearl, that the facilities that he wants, that you know they want to give him an extension that is going to let him retire at Auburn. I think Bruce is like 61 or so. You know he's still got plenty of coaching if he so chooses. Um, so yeah, I mean I think ultimately he's going to be at Auburn. You know I I can't say that with a hundred percent certainty because with any of these coaching searches in football or college basketball, you just never really know. But you understand that this is a situation where Bruce could have leverage if there's things he wants, if there's ex, you know extra years on a contract, or if he wants a basketball facility that he thinks is fit for this program. You can see that this is opportunity for him to ask for it. Uh, my take on it is ultimately I don't think he goes to Louisville, but uh, you just never know with these sort of things. But I think Auburn is going to try to do what it can to let Bruce know that he's going to be taken care of. I don't think this is going to be a situation where Auburn sits on its hands and then when when it's all said and done, they wonder, well, what, what could we have done differently? I think Auburn's going to do what it can to make sure that if Bruce decides he wants to be at Auburn, that he's going to have all the resources he needs. Uh, to to put this program and keep this program uh, among the top in the SEC and among the most competitive ones in the entire country. And what does that say about how Auburn views its basketball program now that they are willing to do what it takes at all costs to be one of the nation's best? Well, I think it's certainly a situation where you recognize what you have. And I think you don't want to be a program, especially – you know, at a Power 5 school where you don't take care of the people you have on hand. It's obviously, 
it's a different situation when you're wanting to build something. When you're in a situation where you don't feel like the team's winning like it should and to say, well, we need these resources and maybe we can get there one day. Auburn's there. You know, I mean, I think it's at the, as it stands and, you know, barring any injuries, knock on wood, everybody stays healthy. Auburn's got a legitimate shot at being a number one seed in the tournament and could, if it keeps winning, you know, be that number one overall seed. So you've got everything in place to be there right now. Um, the thing that I think that the people within the basketball program and, and Bruce, you know, they want to make sure that the resources are there and, and that they make the most of what resources they have. Um, you know, I think it's a, Auburn's in a good situation, and I think that they recognize it. I think that they understand that, you know, Bruce is a guy that uh, knows how to win, and knows what it'll take, and uh, I think that uh, Bruce is uh, going to be, you know, taken care of and that they're going to do everything they can to make sure this program stays as one of the very top ones year in, year out in the SEC. Jordan, as the season rolls on with the SEC Big 12 Challenge coming up this weekend for the conference, Auburn has Oklahoma coming into town for the early afternoon game on Saturday. What's the scouting report on the Oklahoma Sooners as they come into Auburn Arena Saturday afternoon? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I think the thing that really stood out to me, we had a chance to talk to Bruce today, and, you know, it was brought up that, you know, Auburn played – Loyola Chicago earlier in the year and that was where Porter Moser who is the coach at Oklahoma now that's where he was last year and and really put Loyola on the map and made some really deep runs with them and you know Bruce talked about the fact that you know that is sort of an interesting matchup having played Loyola uh, but it will kind of get it might play into Oklahoma's hands because that uh, the personnel and, and sort of how Auburn handled Loyola earlier in the year is something that Moser could really look at and try to sort of game plan, uh, you know, his his attack on. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really good game. You know, Oklahoma's kind of been struggling of late, even though they did uh, have a really convincing road win against West Virginia this week. Um, I think it's going to be a very um, entertaining game. Uh, you know, something else that uh, Bruce pointed out, too, that really interested me was, that he said Oklahoma's guards or Oklahoma guards a lot like Auburn tries to guard. And, and he said, you know, when you build your defense, you try to do it to a, a style that can stop your offense. Well, that's sort of what Oklahoma's going to put up against Auburn. Uh, so I think it's going to make for a very exciting game. I think it can be sort of a good break from conference play for Auburn. I think they're obviously still going to go out there and try to extend this winning streak to 17, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, things going to make for a very interesting matchup and and one that you know could really uh, you know benefit Auburn by the time we get into March. Jordan, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Tell everybody where they can keep up with you and how they can access all your content. For sure, uh, on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill or at AU Blog, and then the website is oanow.com. Got plenty of college stuff with Auburn and high school and preps and signing days coming up so it's a busy time but uh, no doubt uh, no shortage of stuff to talk about jordan we appreciate it my man i hope you have a good rest of your afternoon and a great weekend appreciate it guys anytime that was jordan hill of the opelika auburn news with us for the thursday edition of the show we'll be back on the other side of this break to wrap up hour number one
Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you to Jordan Hill of the Opelika Auburn News for joining us in that previous segment. A lot of great stuff from him. If you missed any of it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We're going to step aside for just a moment to listen to what's on TV tonight, and then we'll be right back live in just one minute. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Go ringside with the best fighting bots on the planet. A new episode of Battle Bots is on Discovery at 7 p.m. Movie selection for tonight, Venom, is on FX at 7 as well. In live sports, there's a handful of Big Ten college basketball games on TV tonight with ranked squads going on their own. Number 11, Wisconsin, is at Nebraska at 4 on Big Ten Network. Moving to 7 on ESPN, number 16, Ohio State, has a road challenge against Minnesota. And at 8 on FS1, number 6, Purdue looks to avoid another midweek unranked upset at the hands of Iowa. In the NBA, we have two games on TNT starting at 6.30. It's the Los Angeles Lakers at the Philadelphia 76ers. And following it at 9, it's the Minnesota Timberwolves at the Golden State Warriors. CONCACAF World Cup qualifying soccer is on ESPN2 at 5.30 with the United States at El Salvador. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Back live on On the Line, that was what's on TV tonight. We're going to talk a little college basketball here as we only have about four minutes till we get away for hour number two. Hour number two is going to be headlined at the start by Britt Bowen, Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer. He'll join us at 3 o'clock to talk about the Tigers as they play Tennessee tonight. That's a big one, and we'll be talking about everything going on with the Auburn women's basketball team up to this point they've had some tough losses recently but this is a team that is right on the cusp you can feel it right on the cusp of winning a game in the SEC they're so close to breaking through and you can see the improvements and the changes that coach Jake Johnny Harris has made at Auburn already they just run out of gas to close games yes they just don't have quite the horses the fourth quarter has killed this team all year long they don't have an SEC win yet I mean let's just be honest I don't expect them to get it tonight but it's coming and this is still an interesting game nonetheless I mean you look at it isn't it at home tonight it's at home the yeah. number four team Tennessee Volunteers the Lady Volunteers are coming into Auburn Arena that's a big deal and that's something to talk about it's something to talk about and if you're an Auburn fan Auburn women's basketball fan and you know coach Jay you want to see your team fight tonight that's what you're looking for you're looking for some fight out of your team see if they can finish the game play a full four quarters of basketball not get ran off the floor and just see if you can compete see if you can hang with these with the lady vols because there's no doubt they're a good team previous auburn women's basketball teams would get beat by 40 tonight i don't see that happening i don't either i think they'll compete i don't know what the final score will be but you're going to see a lot of fight and competition out of this team because that's just what they do that's what they've done all year it's what they did in non-con play and what they've done in sec play so look for them to be at least competitive nonetheless in men's college basketball tonight, it's pretty much a Big Ten slate, and all the ranked Big Ten teams, or some ranked Big Ten teams, are on the road. They've got some challenges. This is a roadblock Friday night, Thursday night, excuse me, roadblock Thursday night at the Big Ten. And we've seen all year long, road games in college basketball are tough to come by. Road especially wins, in the Big Ten. Road wins are tough to come by, especially in the Big Ten. We've seen it in the SEC, but especially in the Big Ten, because when it comes to Big Ten basketball, it's a different brand up there, man. They play a whole different style of basketball. They they play slow it down, run your offense for 20, 23 seconds in the shot clock, and then try to get a bucket. And they score low. That's Most of those teams don't average 80 points a game like Auburn does. So it's a different brand of basketball. But when you look at the, the road games in the Big Ten, somebody's going to go down tonight. Not sure who, but that's my prediction. 
Ohio State's at Minnesota. Minnesota's six-and-a-half-point dogs. Two-and-a-half-point dogs are Iowa to number six, Purdue. I don't think Wisconsin's going to have any trouble against Nebraska. Nebraska's easily – they're probably the worst team in the Big Ten. Yeah, and that's fair to say. I mean, I think Wisconsin probably gets it done. The biggest one would be, to me, honestly, Minnesota and Ohio State because Minnesota's been kind of wishy-washy this season. I've seen Minnesota play in a couple of their games, and not that they're a great basketball team, but they can they've beaten some teams and they can compete they were undefeated coming out of non-conference play they they were undefeated in non-conference play they're two and five in the big 10 so they have not been able to beat some of the top half teams in the big 10 this year but they've been able to push them and they were coming off of four games in a row losing to michigan state and iowa included in there but they only lost to michigan state by two and then they had their game against penn state i guess it was rescheduled it doesn't have a result on there but then they beat Rutgers so maybe that was what the the game they needed to get back on track but man what a tough tough few games they have Ohio State Wisconsin and Purdue that's a tough slate for Minnesota also talk about Iowa team tonight that has been a little wishy-washy they were on a stretch where they beat Maryland Indiana Minnesota yeah they followed it up by losing to Rutgers in between right in in a 48 to 46 game and that was two games ago for them but Iowa's got a chance if they can shoot the ball well Big Ten basketball. It's not for everybody, but if you get into it and you're a basketball fan, man, it's fun to watch. Many years, there's no basketball better. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no doubt. They're probably, what, the third best conference in basketball right this now? This year. But, but some behind, years, it's been the top. There's no doubt. That's it for hour number one of On the Line. We'll be back with hour number two. Brent Bowen, Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer coming up. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Excellent show so far today on the Thursday edition of the program. If you missed any of it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Big thank you to Levi Fitzwater for stopping by for playing the lines as well as Jordan Hill of the Opelika Auburn News. We start off hour number two now with a good uh, friend of the program, Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer, Britt Bowen with us. Britt, how's it going today, my man? Hey, guys. War Eagle, how are you guys? War Eagle to you as well. We're doing great. Doing great, man. Good to hear you. Britt, a big game tonight, but before we get to it, take us through what's the latest with the women's basketball program. Had a game against Kentucky last time out. Take us through where this team is at coming into tonight's game against Tennessee. Yeah, man, the the last two games, not just the game against Kentucky, but the last two games against Alabama and Kentucky, they had both of those teams on the ropes in the fourth quarter and in the last five minutes, uh, their lead just dissolved and they were unable to finish. So um, uh, confidence is is not exactly high right now with with their women's basketball team just because they've had a tough time Excuse me, closing some games out. They're currently 0-7 in the league and still looking for that first win. And I'll tell you guys, it's going to be tough tonight because Tennessee, they're coming in hot. They're only undefeated team left in the SEC, and um, they're one of the best defensive teams in the SEC. And size is going to be a huge factor. And uh, 
So for Auburn, I mean, Auburn's just going to have to have to will their way to to be in this game tonight because um, so far everything just nothing has gone their way at least in the last two games. Well, there's no doubt that tonight is a tough game for Auburn playing the number four team in the country, Tennessee. But what's the message from Coach Jay to this team to try to pick up that first SEC win, whether it's tonight or in the coming games against Vanderbilt and Mississippi State? I think keep fighting, and they have to play four quarters. I, I think that's that's been her consistent message all the way through is um, that this team is having to learn how to find a way to finish. And um, I had a had a good friend uh, who's the – uh, Jason Crowder, who's the voice of Mississippi State women's basketball, also a good friend of Coach Harris. We're, we've been talking some this week, and he said, hey, you, you, you've got to lose the close ones before you can win the close ones. Well, so far, Auburn's got about five of those in league play, and um, right now everybody's just ready to get over the hump and get one. But I think for Coach Jay, I mean, her her, her message stays true of, of you got to finish and, and you got to play four quarters. That, that does not change um, regardless of outcomes, regardless of confidence confidence any of that stuff you got to play four quarters as soon as this team learns how to finish um, they're going to quickly climb their way up in the SEC and just right now it's going to take more development and more recruiting for that to happen what has been the thing in each of these games that you've noticed that maybe has been keeping Auburn from finishing yeah, two things to me stands out. One is Auburn's play on the glass. Auburn got out rebounded in both losses to Alabama and Kentucky, and uh, between the two teams, they gave up 17 and 13 second chance points in the two games, respectively. So, um, when when you don't win the battle on the glass, and it's going to be even harder tonight because Tennessee is the top rebounding team in the country, or excuse me, in the SEC and one of the tops in the country, it's going to make things tough. And also for Auburn. Um, you know, they're missing a lot of easy shots and they're turning the basketball over too much. And when I say missing easy shots, I mean missing shots that are five feet from the basket. I mean shots that should be going in. And um, and then again, when you turn the ball over 15 times in an SEC game, it's hard to win basketball games. It really is because that, that, that's free opportunities for, for opponents. I think Alabama, they scored around 15 points off turnovers, and, and I think Kentucky scored just under that on on Tuesday night. So uh, those are some things Auburn's going to have to clean up. And, and, and look, like tonight against Tennessee, Auburn is drastically undersized. I mean, you, you can look at the roster and compare – coaching there's not a whole lot coaching can do with that right but one thing Auburn can do is they can limit their turnovers tonight do get what you can on the board but Auburn's got to take care of the basketball and start knocking down some shots talking to Britt Bowen the play-by-play announcer for Auburn women's basketball Britt there's no doubt that Aisha Koulibaly for Auburn has been the leading scorer this season and, and really the playmaker for this women's basketball team but what other starter or player off the bench do you think has the biggest impact on this team so far and that can make the biggest impact down the stretch yeah, I, I think there's a couple. I think, honestly, Scott Grayson is certainly one. I, I think when when she scores and her game's going and she's getting to the basket, good things happen. She averages 12 points a game and double figures in SEC play. So uh, Auburn has to have honesty scoring to be able to win games. I mean, honesty in, in large part is a lot like AC. Offensively, honesty can play the one, two, or the three. But also I think the most improved player this year – on offense for Auburn is Saniah Wells. I mean, you're talking about a kid that, that had limited playing time her freshman and sophomore year, and, and she stepped up in a role this year to be Auburn's starting point guard on a team that doesn't have a true starting point guard. 
Um, I, I think those three, but also, or excuse me, those two, but also, I mean, you, you've got other kids. Precious Johnson, you know, she transferred about four games ago from Texas. Her first game was against LSU. She's been a huge impact. And then um, Annie Hughes, when, when, when the three's falling for her, it was against Kentucky. She has the ability to keep Auburn in basketball games. And a sleeper for Auburn defensively is Marshawn Bostic. She's slowly getting better on the offensive end, but Marshawn, she's got a motor. I mean, I, I think she's Auburn's best man-to-man defender on the perimeter. Um, um, she's got a ton of steals, averaging uh, just under two steals a game. I mean, she, she's a kid that, that truly is a difference maker. I mean, and look, I, I said a lot of kids, but all of those kids have have the ability to make an impact. But if it's not AC, it's definitely honesty because honesty's a leader on the floor, and when things aren't going well, AC's not scoring. The team looks to honesty to score, and um, and Auburn can't have her going scoreless in the in the first quarter or, or, or scoreless in the first half like they did against Kentucky Tuesday night. Honesty needs a good start tonight against Tennessee for Auburn to be in that game. Talking with Britt Bowen, Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer, the fourth-ranked Tennessee Lady Volunteers coming to the Plains. What can Auburn fans going to the ball game tonight expect from the Lady Vols? Give us the rundown. Well, I expect them to to dominate the glass. They average uh, just over 50 rebounds a game. They're they're very tall. They get a ton of second chance points. Um, uh, Tamari Key is, is one of the best players on the floor. She averages 10 10 points a game, but she has 73 blocks this season. That leads the NCAA. So again, we talked about their size. Their size is going to be a big impact tonight because, look, Auburn traditionally this year hasn't been a good outside shooting team. They're pretty decent against Kentucky on Tuesday, but Auburn's M.O. is scoring off the glass and getting to the rim to put in buckets, and that's not going to be easy to do tonight with Kentucky, but Auburn's also going to have their hands full with Jordan Horston. She's the leading scorer for Tennessee. I think she averages around 15 a game, and um, she's also a very good rebounder. She's got like 10 double-doubles this year or something like that, so um, Tennessee's really good. They're a team that just doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. Um, they've got a couple of Alabama kids on the roster for for those up in North Alabama that may be may be interested. Alexis Dye, she's from Birmingham. She's a transfer from Troy. What a great get for Tennessee out of the transfer portal because she was a Sun Belt player of the year last year. And then um, there's a couple other kids. Sarah Puckett, I think she was the Gatorade player of the year last year in Alabama. She comes to Tennessee from Muscle Shoals. So. Um, they've got some Alabama ties on this team that um, I think is going to draw some people to Auburn Arena tonight from North Alabama. You mentioned the transfer portal, and of course everybody thinks about this with with football right now, but how is the transfer portal affecting the women's game, and how can Auburn, if if there's been any discussions about this, how can they improve their program utilizing it? Well, they already have. I mean, with honesty, Scott Grayson two years ago, and look, take, take the losses, take the records away. Auburn doesn't have the wins that they have in the last two years if, if Honesty Scott Grayson's not on the floor, plain and simple. So, I mean, Honesty's been one of Auburn's best players. She was a McDonald's All-American two years ago, and then Coach Jay coming in this year, she, she nabbed Precious Johnson from, from Texas um, really early this year. I mean, she, she was just cleared by the NCAA this month in January. So, um, yeah, the, the transfer portal, just like every other sport, it's it's alive and well in, in women's basketball. I mean, the biggest news of the week out of the SEC came out of Stark Vegas with Rakia Jackson 
the SEC's leading scorer entering the transfer portal this week. She's no longer on the roster at Mississippi State. So um, where Rakia will end up, I don't know. It remains to be seen. But I know there's a lot of teams named probably South Carolina, Tennessee, LSU. I, 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 I don't know this for a fact, but I, one would guess tie two and two together, Coach Harris coaching Rakia at Mississippi State. Uh, you'd like to think Auburn's going to be giving her some calls. It's going to be interesting to see where she goes because, again, uh, one of the best one of the best two be- best three players in the SEC behind Ryan Howard and, and Aaliyah Boston. Britt, as Auburn hosts the number four team in the country tonight in the Tennessee Lady Volunteers, what can you say to Auburn fans and Auburn students, the message to them to get to Auburn Arena tonight and support this Auburn women's basketball team? Get there, be loud, support this team regardless of score. And listen, I say that, I'm going in hoping Auburn's going to fight and claw and make this thing a close basketball game and force Tennessee to make some plays down the stretch. But even then, you have to go in understanding how good Tennessee is and how well prepared Kelly Harper has this Lady Ball basketball team. Tennessee is naturally where Auburn wants to be. And, um, it, you know, we've heard this comparison a lot, but it's, a, it's an accurate comparison. Compare uh, Coach Harris's program right now, year one, to Bruce Pearl's program in year one for, for Auburn men's basketball. And we see how well that's turned around. It takes time. But the main thing, they, these kids need love. These kids need, need support. They're fighting hard. I mean, they, they have, I think, five losses in league play right now. Uh, excuse me, maybe four losses in league play uh, within single digits or less. Kentucky won by 12. They weren't up by 12 uh, for 95% of that basketball game. It was nip talk. I think they were like 12 or 13 lead changes in that basketball game the other night. So, um, just or excuse me, that was the Alabama game on 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 Sunday. But Auburn came back and erased a 13-point lead in the first half against Kentucky on Tuesday. So uh, these kids are playing hard. Again, they need support because we all know at Auburn it's hard to win without alumni support and fan support. It means something to the team. It means something to the program. And again, we've been saying this all year. Get on board now because. Look, the, the the struggles this team is going through right now is not going to last forever. Better days are ahead. I mean, you break it down just to support what you're saying. Auburn was leading Kentucky with four and a half minutes left in the ball game. Right. That was the last time they had the lead. But you look at that. I mean, this Auburn team is so close. They are so close. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. And I tell you, the hats off to Kentucky in that game on Tuesday night because when you have the best player in women's college basketball and Ryan Howard on your team, I mean, she scored 17 points in the fourth quarter of play. She knocked down three threes. I mean, it, it was it was like having, seriously, it was like having a LeBron James type player on the other team. And I was at a, at a tip-off luncheon the other day for um, the men's and women's basketball team, uh, the Coach Bruce Pearl and, and Coach Harris were, were meeting with some fans, and um, uh, Coach Pearl said that, hey, uh, on some nights, the difference in a basketball game is, hey, we have Jabari Smith and the other team doesn't. Well, that was the case for Kentucky on Tuesday night. They had Ryan Howard. Auburn did not. And to Kentucky's credit, they won that basketball game. But, look, Auburn, the old saying goes, you are what your record says you are, but I'm a firm believer this team is right there. I mean, I, I, Auburn has left wins. Um, they, they've left wins on the schedule this year, especially with Missouri, twice against Alabama, Florida, and Kentucky. I mean, that, that's a handful of games that, that Auburn should have won, 
and they didn't. But that's part of the growing pains, and that's part of why we have Coach Harris here leading this program to help this team clean that up and, and, and get back in the win column. Brent, last question to you before we let you get out of here. Of course, you do play-by-play for the women's basketball team, but you also heavily involved in the spring sports also with softball, baseball. Last question to you is about softball. I ask you this every week. What nuggets do you have for us this week? We're a week closer to the start of the season. No, I, I'm so disappointed to tell you I, I, I have no new nuggets <laughs> for for the team. Um, JJ and I, and just, again, just with the basketball team, we, we have four basketball games in seven days, from from last Sunday against Alabama to this Sunday against Vanderbilt, we have four games in seven days. So all of my time is going into that, and um, hoping next time around, uh, JJ JJ Jackson and I are planning a meeting with head coach Mickey Dean. Going to make it out to practice next week and and and, and get things rocking and rolling for softball. But I will say, um, I I am excited for this team. I I am excited with. Um, just the culture I think that Coach Dean has has built around this team. Um, from from what I understand, um, the chemistry on this team is really strong this year, and you need that. You need that from the start of the season through the end. And uh, we all know what the SEC schedule is going to be like. There's some really tough games on the schedule. I mean, there's just no weeks off in the SEC. Um, SEC softball is, uh, is arguably the, the one of the most competitive sports in the, in the SEC. So um, there are no weeks off. Auburn's got to get some early wins. They're going to get really tested early um, down in down in Clearwater, Florida. They they play UCLA and Texas and company um, the second week of the season. So um, early wins are going to be important to to again uh, prepare them for down the stretch in the SEC. I would love to see Auburn get out of that bottom four. I would love to see Auburn finish higher than tenth in the league this year. That that would be a great goal. Can they do it? Well, that remains to be seen. As we all know, they they have to develop some offense this year. They lost too many close one-run games down the stretch a year ago. But, uh, of course, they'll heavily rely on their pitching with Shelby Lowe, Matty Penta, and, and K.K. Dismuke. So it should be fun. It's hard to believe it's going to be here in, in less than two weeks. February 11th, Auburn with the Tiger Invitational against Seton Hall, St. John's, and UMass Lowell. Brett, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. I hope you have a good rest of your afternoon. Stay well, my friend. Hey, guys. Appreciate the time. War Eagle. War Eagle to you as well. That was big time Britt Bowen, Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer for the first segment of hour number two. We'll be back in just a few moments. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open for the rest of the show. 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to us here on the Thursday edition. We've had Britt Bowen, Jordan Hill, Levi Fitzwater on with us. A packed show today. It's Jacob and I taking you down the stretch. Three more segments to go on the Thursday edition of the program. We want your calls, anything you want to talk about, whether it be about Bruce Pearl being linked to the Louisville job, anything Auburn football related, you take it away. Free for all here for the rest of the Thursday edition of the show, 334-321-1390. We want you to call in. In the meantime, we're going to revisit what happened last night in college basketball with some of the results. Jacob, we were talking about this, and you were ragging, ragging me about this before the show started. All of my friend. I was very close to actually being right about these things, but you were inevitably you were right about all the games last night. I was like a one or two points off on some of these things that I was saying. Like Arkansas almost double digits over Ole Miss, only one by nine. But 
man, I just, I hate when I'm right. You know, <laughs> I hate when I'm right. But and I'm I wasn't gonna, wrong. I just wasn't. You weren't, you weren't wrong, but you weren't 100 percent right. Now, last night in college basketball, man, there were some great games. We talked about them yesterday, and you can start with the game, the very first game that started at 5:30, Florida and Tennessee. We said that could be a close game. And it was. And it was a close game. Tennessee won 78-71 with a seven-point victory, but they had to fight and battle for that win. It was a four-point game with a minute left. But Florida also didn't have their best player. He was out. He was injured and out. And so Florida, they battled, man. They're a good team. But that was a close game that we said could be close, and it ended up being close. And then some other games in the SEC, the Arkansas Ole Miss game. You said it was going to be a blowout, at least a double-digit win from Arkansas. They won by nine. It was never in doubt, right? Like, they, they handled the game from start to finish. They just never quite just shattered them like I thought they were going to. And they were up by double digits for most of the game, anywhere between 11 and 14 points. But then, you know, free throws down the stretch, whatever. But so I was right about the line. You were right about the line, there's no doubt. And Arkansas won... And it was probably a worse game than a nine-point win. But Arkansas picks up the win. And then I also said the Miami-Florida-Virginia Tech game in the ACC was should be a good game from two mid-majors in the ACC. Half-court buzzer beater from Miami to win the game. Great basketball last night, and we're going to see some more tonight. Ah, oh, we dropped our call. Jason, call back, my man. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Call back. We are... Waiting everyone's calls out there. Call in 334-321-1390. Jason, we're sorry we dropped you. We want to hear back from you again. 334-321-1390. LSU, Texas A&M, 70-64 win for the Tigers, snapping a three-game losing streak. LSU came into SEC play undefeated, and then they found out. And I also said that LSU was going to win that game last night. They, were, they had some tough games before that, but then they came in and they – I don't want to say took care of business because they had to fight for that win last night. And you talked about it yesterday. Texas A&M is a good basketball team. And they played like it last night. They just couldn't get it done on the road, which is, again, road wins in college basketball. They are tough to come by. Well, we were talking with Britt Bowen in our previous segment, and he was mentioning how he was at a luncheon, and Bruce Pearl said this, and I've heard him say this, that a lot of times the difference why Auburn has been winning some games this year and is why they are in elite status right now in college basketball is because many times they can say, we have Jabari Smith and you don't, or we have Walker Kessler and you don't, and you look at Texas A&M against some of these other top-tier teams in the league, they're going to run and compete with Kentucky and LSU and Arkansas and Auburn probably in a couple weeks, but the reality is I just don't think they have the horses. And some teams do and some teams don't, but and that's how it goes. Let's head to the phone lines now. Jason has called back. Jason, how you doing today, my man? Hey, I'm doing great. Hope you guys are good. Doing real well. What's up? Hey, got a couple things to talk about. First, I want to talk about SEC MVP. Um, the, the way I see it, there, it's either going to be an Auburn guy if Auburn wins the league or Oscar Shibway. My thoughts are that the Auburn guy may not be who everybody thinks it's going to be. I feel like Walker Kessler is going to win this thing when it's all said and done. You're saying player of the uh, year? Play, SEC player of the year, yep. Uh, I'm seeing his numbers trending up uh, offensively and rebounding. Uh, Jabari, except for the Alabama game, has been 15 points or less, I think, the last four or five games. Um, and I feel like that, uh, you know, especially on the on the heels of what happened with Herb winning it last year, only averaging 10 points a game, I think Walker's going to end up, you know, 11 and a half, 12 points a game. Um, and I just I see it heading that direction. I'm curious what you guys think. 
Well, you're not wrong in thinking that because Walker Kessler, we've talked about it on the show this week. I think he's the MVP of Auburn, no doubt right now. And there's there's a great chance that he wins SEC Player of the Year because of the impact that he has offensively, defensively, and the points he can score and the blocked shots that he has. But here's the argument that I'll make, and it's not necessarily that I agree with it, but Oscar Shibwe is a 2020 machine. He's scoring 20 points and 20 rebounds a game. He's the only guy on his game. team. He's the only guy that's doing that in the country. And I would see that's the only reason I could see him winning SEC Player of the Year. But I think there's more to it if you ask me. I think it's Walker Kessler, but and I, I think both see. of them should be all. I think they should be all SEC first team. I think both of them should, but I also think there's a bias towards Auburn. I agree. And if you ask me, yeah, I think it is Walker Kessler to this point. But when it comes to those stats for Oscar Shibway, that would be that I could see him getting it because of that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's certainly putting up ridiculous numbers. So and and they're going to probably finish second in the league. So. You could certainly make that argument. I, I just, I guess, I was saying that I think Walker's going to end up finishing ahead of Jabari in both. But um, who knows? We'll see. Uh, on to Bruce Pearl. Um, I think Auburn's going to do everything they can to keep him, and I feel like that eventually Auburn Arena will be named the Pearl, uh, like the Hump over in Mississippi. <laughs> I think that's what it's going to be. And, uh, you know, he's going to leave a legacy there that, that he doesn't want to change at 62 years old and, and try something different. I think we're just, it's just posturing to get a little more money for him and his coaches right now, I feel like, and the facility. I think the, the facility is key. If Auburn turned that down, then that may change everything. And if Auburn didn't pony up with those things, I think that's Auburn saying, look, we don't really care about reaching that elite status in basketball. And I, I think that would be a travesty considering Auburn can, with the way it's recruiting right now, it can get to a whole nother level if they get Bruce Pearl what he needs. If they get him those extra resources, Auburn can start to out-recruit Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, or at least get on their level. I mean, they got Jabari Smith this year. They can do it again. Yeah, I, I don't know that we can recruit with Kentucky and Duke. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not even coming close to that right now, but – but he's doing a great job of getting quality players like a Wendell Green who uh, was on nobody's radar that has turned out to be one heck of a fine. Uh, you know, one of the things that he did from last year to this year is took a team that was just terrible on defense and just totally flipped it in one year. And, uh, you know, Katie and, and um, uh, oh, God, the other guard, not not Wendell, but the other one, I can't think of his name. Zepp right Jasper. Zepp, thank you. Zepp and uh, – and then obviously Walker have made just a huge change in the defense, um, and I think he he probably learned a little lesson from that last year. Sharif was a, a liability for sure on defense, and um, he, I don't know that he'll ever make that mistake again. But uh, we are uh, it's amazing, you know. Auburn beat Missouri off of defense and rebounding. They off, offensively they were terrible, uh, but because they held them to fifty something points, they were able to win that game. Well, you're exactly right. And the difference in last year's team and this year's team, look at the players that Bruce Pearl got from the transfer portal. You have Wendell Green, Zepp Jasper, Walker Kessler, three guys that make immediate impact when they step on campus. And those types of guys are the things that put Auburn basketball above and beyond everybody else. And I think that's what Bruce is going to do in the future, especially with the transfer portal getting crazier and crazier by the day. Yeah, maybe and, Auburn isn't a one-and-done machine. Maybe Auburn's the transfer portal machine. And he may not have to out-recruit Kentucky and Duke. He may just have to get these studs from the transfer portal and these grad transfers. And so far this season, it's working. 
Yeah, and I, and I feel like he's going to always get one or two top 50 guys. Uh, he's just not going to – I mean, Kentucky gets four or five in the top 20. I mean, Austin's right. not going to ever get that. Uh, but if, if you get one or two in the top 50 and you add a, a quality transfer that's proven themselves, even if it's in a mid-major program, uh, you've got a chance to really have something special, and that's what he's got right now. Jason, we appreciate the call, my man. We're about to have to go to break. All right, guys. See you. That was Jason on the line with us. If you want to call in as well, 334-321-1390. I really enjoyed that call. That was great, man. I love people calling in. Make sure you call in and, and give us what your thoughts are. We want to we want to talk to you, hear what you got to say, and um, we'll, we'll tell you what we think. Yeah, anything going on in the sports world is wide open right now for the rest of the show. The final 30 minutes coming up here on On the Line. If you want to call in, once again, 334-321-1390. Final thoughts on that call from Jason before we head to break. I mean, it's, I think he's got the opinion of every Auburn fan. Bruce wants to be here, and Auburn better do what they got to do because if not, he has every right to leave. And I think if they do what they've got to do and they get him what he needs, this program can go to another level. To another level, and Bruce is trying to not only get better, get himself more benefits and more money, but the coaches on this staff, and for when he's not here, to make it better for Auburn years to come. Let's take a quick break here when we come back. Our final large segment of the show we got making headlines talking more about bruce pearl to louisville as well as some other things going on in the sports world phone line still open 334-321-1390 stay on the line more of the show when we come back last 30 minutes of the thursday edition of on the line if you want to call in, 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. Anything going on in the sports world, we will gladly divert our attention to wherever you want us to go in the sports world and talk to you about it. We will give you our best answers. Where we're going next in the show is making headlines. Making headlines. Put this off a little bit later than I typically do, considering Britt opened up the second hour for us. So now we're going to get into some of the top headlines that maybe we haven't touched on yet at this moment. And the big one, it happened earlier today, Ben Roethlisberger announced his retirement after 18 seasons in the NFL. It was time. I mean, the dude, he had a good career, won a couple Super Bowls. He did his thing for Pittsburgh. Steelers fans love him. Of course, you know, he he did his job, but it was time. I thought it may have been time after last year. Well, I, a couple years ago, but it was definitely time. I, I, My opinion was he should have retired a, a couple of years ago when he was still quote-unquote healthy, you know, and, and be able to move around better than he did now. Um, but, no, I mean. But he still time, got the job done. He was a top 15 quarterback in the NFL this made, year. I mean, heck, the Steelers made the playoffs. I mean, you can't complain too much about that. But Made the playoffs it, last year. Visibly, it was it was time for Ben Roethlisberger to call it a day. But, I mean, he's he's a great quarterback. He had a good career. I compared this, and of course it wasn't the flip-flopping that Brett Favre did, but you remember how Brett Favre looked like at the end? In Minnesota? Yes. Yeah, it was it was tough to watch. And at times, that's how it was with Ben Roethlisberger and Pittsburgh. There was just some plays and, and some And this sequences. wasn't as dramatic as Brett Favre's uh-huh. end, right? Because Brett had a good year in Minnesota, and then it was... Yeah, then it... <laughs> yeah, it just... Everything went to crap, and... But with Ben Roethlisberger, I think there was just some games and some sequences where you were like, wow, this is this is kind of tough to watch. And it was it was past time for him to to retire. But he got his moment in the sun. You know, he played his last game in Pittsburgh, got the, the glory from the Steelers fans. So I think he went out the way he wanted to. 
You remember earlier this season when Mike Tomlin was linked to a ton of college jobs and he got really angry? And, mm-hmm. like, I get that because he's an NFL coach. He's an NFL coach. And he's one of the best NFL coaches. As much as it pains me to say because I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, I do have respect for what Pittsburgh has done and what Mike Tomlin has done because he has dealt with some crazy personalities, still found ways to win when he's lost whole rosters has completely pivoted from what was offensive teams you know 10 years ago to now where he's at where he's been winning heavily on defense he has found a way to stay up with the times and he has lasted in a division that has been extremely difficult it's easy to see though on the roster now with big ben gone it's easy to see that the steelers could be the worst team in the nf excuse me the afc north uh, moving into next year and that's not just on pittsburgh that's the afc north picking up some momentum obviously look at the Cincinnati Bengals. They're in the AFC Championship game for the first time in 30-something, 40-something years. I question whether or not they are going to be consistently in the playoffs with their current roster, and that's not a knock on them. But and, and I listened to Colin Coward a time or two, and this is something that he said. It's like, look, look at the playoffs, and if you, if you want to, go and look. This is not my take. This is something that I am borrowing from Colin Coward. But if you look at the playoffs on a year-to-year basis, there are teams that aren't one-hit wonders, but – just because they made the playoffs last year and they looked like they were going on the up doesn't mean they're going to make the playoffs this year. And there are two teams in the AFC that fit that bill perfectly this season. It was the Browns and the Dolphins. And look, the the Dolphins didn't make the playoffs last year, barely miss. Browns made it, didn't make it. Those were two this year. And then you look at those two teams this season, they, they did not go in the same direction that they were appearing to go the Bengals with their multitude of offensive line issues there's still more to be done there there's more work to be done this team I think it was fine margins that they actually made the playoffs there's no doubt about it they and Bengals fans will tell you being from Ohio a lot of my friends are Bengals fans they they tell me all the time like yeah this team can be good but they have so many struggles on the offensive line and then injuries on the defensive side of the ball I think that's going to come up on Sunday against the Chiefs there's work to be done for the Bengals to be good long term but offensively, besides the offensive line, they've got some athletes they've and some got studs. The core. They, they've got the core of talent and good players on that roster. They've just got to get the help that they need to put it all together. And you talk about the Bengals. Don't tell me I'm wrong when, and I know you're not saying this, but other people might be like, they won the division. They're 10-7. and seven. They easily made the playoffs. It's like, no, with two weeks left in the season, the Browns, if they had if they had won out and if the Bengals had lost to the Chiefs, the Browns still could have won the division. And the Browns finished third in the division, right? And so you, you break it down. It's like there was a time when they were playing the Raiders. The Browns were playing the Raiders. If they had won that game, they were first. If they lost, they were last. That's how tight the division was. The Bengals were real close this year to missing the whole thing altogether. And that's how the AFC North has been for the last four yeah. or five seasons. Razor it's been, thin, man. It's been razor thin. Anybody's division, which is crazy. And we don't see that a ton in the NFL, but – that's how it's been the last few years. So for the Steelers, Bengals, Ravens, and Browns, it's anybody's division every year. And that is where we come back to the Steelers, where they are a quarterback away from being at the top, I think. And that that's for any of the teams. If Lamar Jackson still ends up being the Ravens quarterback or whoever the Browns end up throwing out there, it it's anybody's division for the AFC North every single season, which makes it so much fun to watch. Where do you think they go for a quarterback? Because it's not on the roster right now. It's not Dwayne Haskins. We've tried that experiment. It's not Mason Rudolph. We've tried that experiment. And it's definitely not Josh Dobbs. So what are we doing? I don't really know. Because I, for the Steelers, I think you've got to make a trade. I think that's the biggest thing. Try to make a trade. Or grab Aaron a guy. Rogers. Rodgers is not going to the Steelers. You can go ahead and shut that down. I'll, Why do you say that? I just don't think it, it's not the fit. I just don't see Rodgers playing in Pittsburgh. I don't think that's his style. It's not his 
his go-to. He's I just, flashier, I think. He's not. He's, he's not. It doesn't. Yes. He doesn't strike me as blue-collar city. And I don't see him. And this is nothing against either one of the guys, but I don't see Aaron Rodgers and Mike Tomlin getting along very well. I yeah, think Mike Tomlin too, doesn't put up with that. They're yeah. two hardheads, and both have their way of how they run the thing and Aaron Rodgers wants control of the offense and I don't think Mike Tomlin is going to let him do his thing so I just don't see that that would not work out well (laughs) Aaron Rodgers wants control of the organization yes exactly (laughs) and he is not going to get that in Pittsburgh let's head to the phone lines again 334-321-1390 Terry is with us on the line Terry how's it going today great Noah how you and Jacob doing we're doing awesome uh no you're gonna like this Go for Aaron Rodgers to the Browns for Baker Mayfield in a fourth and a sixth. I'll take it any day of the week. I can win a Super Bowl with that, or okay. I'll at least be happy. I will at I least really I will at least win. <laughs> I really think that could happen. I really do. You know, so, and, we'll, and we'll I see. like I like Baker. I think Baker got a bad rap this year, but you got to look at his body. I mean, you could put his body chart on on TV and, and and look at all the injuries he had, and it's like no human being can succeed like this. And the Browns were still very close to making the playoffs this year. So I do like Baker, and I think the Browns could win a Super Bowl with Baker. I really do, if the things align correctly. Like, all of the injuries that have, that have happened in Cleveland the last two years is, is just stupid. Half the offensive line gets hurt, and then they've been hit harder than most teams with COVID. You've missed half the defense at times. I mean, it's been really bad timing for the Browns with injuries and COVID. It, it, it has prevented them from reaching their full peak. They're just as talented as anybody. I like the Aaron Rodgers move because I think you can get him, and I think you can get him to Cleveland without giving up too much. Well, then you send Baker to Green Bay, and Green Bay can trade him for a second, and all of a sudden they've got a bunch of draft picks. That's what they want to build. And so you already got your future quarterback in place. So, anyway, it's just my thoughts. Yeah. But I want to ask you guys, how long do you think it's where Auburn loses Stephen Pearl? I don't think, I think Stephen Pearl's going anywhere. To go somewhere. I actually don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think he'll be with Bruce all the way. And then when Bruce really? goes, I think he'll be a heavy – he will be one of the top candidates to follow in line, I think, after Bruce goes. I don't know. I see him going to maybe a Troy or a Jacksonville State or UNA or I don't. I don't know. Who knows? And that's not um, a terrible. That's not a you know a, a terrible take because he's never been a head coach before. He's a young guy. Bruce is right. still if he stays at Auburn still has at least ten to twelve more years of coaching. And at that point, Stephen will still have never been a head coach. And so it's not a terrible thing for Stephen to go and take a lower job, prove himself as a head coach, and then come up and try to take a bigger job you don't like want to Auburn. fail though because you can keep riding this wave right now and then when this job opens then you'll have had nothing to right. to go against you but only positives because of who you've yeah. been working for and where you've been working at and i agree with you no i don't think steven's going to go anywhere until bruce retires i don't he would be not dumb but it wouldn't be a smart move in my opinion i i agree jacob i, I agree with both of you i don't think he's going anywhere but if he's playing I mean, that auburn would be a tough gig to be your first head coaching job Yes, it I would. Agree. Yeah, especially with what Bruce has done and having to follow his footsteps, a lot of coaches will find it hard to be good enough. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Who knows how the the, the world will turn by then? Who knows? But I could see. I really could see him being a head coach at a lower level, maybe even a Murray State, something like that. I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm just throwing stuff out there. I don't know. He's definitely that, that opportunity like that. is always going to be there. I think as long as he's with Bruce right now and he continues to win and continues to prove himself as an assistant. I think those opportunities will always be there, regardless of timing. The issue comes in is if he leaves and fails at one of those locations, right? Well, then those the opportunities may not. Uh, they're the from the Midwest from? somewhere. And, uh, I didn't know. I just was trying to get an idea where he might end up get, you know, to get his feet a little wet in the coaching ranks. So, who yeah. knows? 
Beat Auburn again. Auburn will be a tough place to get your first coaching gig. That's hey, right. Hey, here, guys. Have a great day. You too, Terry. Thank you. That was Terry on the line with us. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390. You want to do some quick internet research and tell me where Bruce Pearl is from. I mean, obviously his coaching career started at the Division I, you know, in your traditional Division I men's basketball level. That started at UW-Milwaukee. I know he was at Southern Indiana as well for a time period. I mean, he bounced around the Midwest for a while. He is from Boston, Massachusetts. That's right. I don't know why I forgot that. He was at Boston College. That was his alma mater. He was yep. an assistant at Stanford, and then he got into the Midwest from 1986 on when he was an assistant at Iowa. Then he was a head coach at Southern Indiana, Milwaukee, Tennessee, and now Auburn. So and he's got a heavy footprint in the Midwest and then the Ohio Valley area, of course, with Tennessee. Um, it's been a while, I think, since he's been in Boston College. And Stephen was born in New York, New York. So that northern guys, for sure. But they've been down here for, so for I guess, not so long, but – this is where they're rooted at right now. So if Stephen Pearl does take another job, it would not be a top-level D1 major Power 5 program job, I don't think. Unless I don't think so either. Unless he hangs with Bruce for the next 10 years and somebody gives him a shot. Let's keep going down making headlines. We just talked about Ben Roethlisberger announcing his retirement after 18 seasons in the NFL and how the Steelers are in a curious situation right now as far as quarterback is concerned. Who can they get to come? You say they're going to have to make a trade. You don't see Aaron Rodgers headed to Pittsburgh. And I like the point that you made, though, about Mike Tomlin. Those are two strong personalities. Mike Tomlin's not going to get pushed around. This is his team. And Rodgers likes to have control of the offense. More the times than not, he calls the plays when he's on the field. And that's just how it that's how he runs it and that's how he's successful and I just don't see that blending well with Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh if you want to call in we'll talk to you about anything going on in the sports world 334-321-1390 certainly Auburn related as always on the board we want to hear from you uh, last couple of headlines here are making headlines before we move on to our last segment of the show LSU lands Oklahoma State transfer quarterback Bernard Converse a multi-year starter with the Cowboys big time pickup for LSU and and they got to replace corners man lost Derek Stingley and Eli Ricks got to replace them and that's a big pickup for Brian Kelly in his first year at LSU and so he's gonna have to pick up some guys like that I mean that's that's gonna have to be his MO for the year first year or two and so he can really get out on the recruiting trail and and sell his LSU program so interesting to see but that's a big pickup for the Tigers Jarek Bernard Converse a senior going to LSU out of Shreveport, Louisiana, six foot one, two hundred pounds, physical guy. Of course, Oklahoma State had one of the better defenses in the Big Twelve, statistically one of the better defenses in college football, really. And you break down his career at Oklahoma State, he has been pretty much. I mean, he's been a four year player without a doubt. He's been a three year starter, I believe, for the Pokes. Only two interceptions, which tells me they're not throwing his way. But he's been heavily involved in terms of getting tackles. This is a guy who can help out and run support. Uh, he has amassed over 50 tackles in three of his four seasons and of course 2020 he did not hit that mark but Oklahoma State also didn't play as many games as everybody else and an experienced guy like that is somebody coming out of the portal is somebody you want on the LSU roster if you're an LSU fan LSU coach or another LSU player a guy that has that much experience that can come in and give some leadership on the defense on that side of the football in the SEC and I know he played in the Big 12 but having that much experience playing defensive division one power five football i mean that's only going to be a good thing and he's going to be a day one starter so that that's a good thing for lsu it's a good thing for him too i think because eyes are on lsu dbs there are two position groups where eyes are on for the nfl draft wide receivers and defensive backs those two they get watched 
You're just going like, you know, hmm, let me put together my draft board for this year. Guys that I need to be watching out for for 2023. Wide receivers, ah, let's go take a look at LSU's roster. Who do they have? DBs, let's go take a look at LSU's roster, right? They're just buzz teams and in, they in college be, football. They want to be claimed DBU, and that's a guy like this can get them to that point. So, again, big pickup for LSU. He had 11 pass deflections last year, 7 in 2020. Like I said, this is a guy who may not be getting picks, but I also don't know if they're throwing his way at Oklahoma State. This is going to be a good get for him. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be the top quarterback or anything in the SEC next year, but I definitely think he is going to help out LSU's cause in the secondary where they lost some key players. Last headline for you, and we're going back to Auburn here. We haven't talked about this in a little bit. Louisville fired Chris Mack. Two have parted ways. Bruce Pearl's been linked to the job, but I'm not buying it. I'm not either, and Auburn fans should not worry, in my opinion. I don't think Bruce is going anywhere. We've talked about it today on the show and he's demanding more money for himself his coaches and better facilities new facilities at Auburn for Auburn basketball if Auburn wants him they'll give all three and he is not out of line asking for those things because he deserves whatever he asks for because he's taken this program leagues and and beyond what Auburn and Auburn fans expected him to ever do but also think there's just enough threat there to where it forces Auburn's hand there's a legitimate threat because if they don't if they don't give him that you got every reason to go he's got every reason to go because he's put in so much work for this program and gotten them to new heights that if they don't give him what he wants yeah he should leave let's take a quick break here when we come back we wrap up the show phone lines are open for our last couple of calls here at 334-321-1390 last segment of the Thursday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. I have time for a couple more calls if people want to squeeze in. And we've got Dan on the line with us now. Dan, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Good. Um, you know, as far as the Bruce thing, I, I, I personally think Bruce will stay here. And I think he's already the number eight highest paid coach right now. And obviously, you know, he probably deserves even more than that. And, and the, the one thing he's asked for mainly in the past was just paying his assistants more. So obviously, you know, that's something that can easily be done. But you know, if you think about it, you know, when Alabama started doing good in football, well, I mean, they dumped all types of money and, and every single possible thing Nick Saban wanted, and they've been a powerhouse machine ever since. And I think that if you're lucky enough to get a coach that can get you to that level, I mean, I mean, we're arguably, you know, between us and Kentucky, we're like probably one and two in, in the whole league in terms of, of – of, of winning and, and for, for a coach to be able to get us to that point is incredible. And I think we're crazy if we don't do whatever it takes to stay on top. And it shouldn't be just what Bruce Pearl wants. I mean, we need the guys up above to have that direction and that desire to say, Hey, you know, let's think, you know, above and beyond. I mean, even whatever Pearl would want, like how do we stay up here and, and keep this a permanent, you know, lifetime thing? I mean, you just, you, you can't just go and, and, coast along i mean you know it worked you worked so hard to get here now you're here you know you might as well just throw it all in there and, and just keep us there because that's i mean that's what every program dreams of having a program like this so and when it comes to you made a good point about him wanting more money for his assistance 
there's a lot more to that when you really dive into it. It's not just about him getting more money for his current assistance. This is for when Bruce and these guys aren't even at Auburn anymore. Because what about it is, these assistants, a lot of them are going to go and take other jobs eventually. Maybe some head coaching jobs, or maybe they retire when Bruce does. But it's the standard that Auburn sets that assistants can make good money and go and take other jobs in their future down the road. So that's the standard that Bruce is trying to set with getting his assistants more money. Yes, it's about the guys on his staff right now, but he's trying to set a standard for Auburn coaches and basketball for years to come when he's not even here anymore. Trying to make it a premier location for college basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, if, if you're thinking Final Four a few years ago and then, you know, we've had, I guess, the best record the last four or five years in the whole league and, you know, potentially, I mean, this could be a, a phenomenal, you know, year if we can go all the way. Or even if we just get back to the final four, it'll still be a really good year. You know, I just think he's just built something that could be a dynasty, you know, for at least 10, 10 or more years for sure. And we're, we're crazy not to jump all over it and do whatever it takes to try to be the best and to even get better. So anyway, I appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it, Dan. Auburn has found their Coach K. Coach K did this to Duke in the 90s. Auburn has found their Coach K. Auburn has found their Nick Saban. And I agree with Dan. You do what you can to keep it going, to keep building, because you just never know. I like that he pointed out Nick Saban. You just never know what type of heights this could reach. I believe Auburn can start recruiting like Kansas and Duke and Kentucky because they got Jabari Smith. And you look at Alabama. Alabama, like people don't want to recognize this. Alabama's kind of recruited better than Auburn in the last year or two. I mean, and I hate to say that. I mean, Bama's got the number three overall recruiting class right now in college basketball. If Bama can do it and they don't have what Auburn's got right now, they play in an airplane hangar. I mean, come on. Auburn can do this. <laughs> they absolutely can do this. And and here's the thing. If Auburn fans realize this and the media like ourselves realize this, you know that Auburn University and the athletics department and the athletic director and Alan Green, they know what's at stake here. They know what they've got to do. It's whether they're committed to doing it and if they want to do it and they want to see Auburn basketball reach those heights, that's the question. It's time for Final Take. Final take. You feel good? You got something? Let's go. All right, I'm going to start it off. Bruce Pearl is not going to Louisville. This is not happening. Auburn's going to do what they've got to do, and it's already a sign considering they had a board meeting, and on it is a new practice facility. If there's somebody in Louisville or somebody in Kentucky saying Bruce Pearl wants the job badly, I'm not believing it. Somebody probably did say that. But it's only to create leverage. And I don't blame them whatsoever. Get what you can get. Take this thing to another level. I think it's important that Bruce Pearl is cultivating this type of interest because it shows where the Auburn program is at, and it's also going to be the catalyst to help Auburn to continue to improve without being complacent. You're 100% right. And my final take is this. Bruce Pearl, he wants to be at Auburn, he's going to be at Auburn, and he's setting a standard for the next 20 to 30 years of Auburn basketball in this program. Think about how important that is and how crazy hard and difficult that is for somebody to do. That's what Bruce Pearl is looking at right now for this Auburn men's basketball program. Not just this year in the year 2022, but he's looking 20 and 30 years down the road. It's Coach K-like. Coach K, like Auburn has found their Coach K, and whether they treat him right or not, we're about to find out. Don't make the same mistake that Kentucky football did with Bear Bryant. Don't let him walk. Don't let him walk. And they're not going to. They won't. They're going to keep Bruce Pearl, and Auburn's going to give him what he wants.
That was final take here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, and that does it for the Thursday edition of On the Line. As for Jacob Goins and myself, hope everybody has an excellent Thursday evening. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.